0: So when I went in my early 20s, I went back home to Jalapa, which is a city on the Gulf Coast of Mexico. My family, however, lives about um, an hour away. And so I went home and I had an apartment and I was driving my grandfather's 1985 Volkswagen Brasilia, which is a tiny little station wagon with the motor on the back. And I was having a good time. And is um, an amazing city. And at that time especially, If you knew the right people, then you had access to all these underground pop-up kind of places on the outskirts with music and drinking and performance and drinking and dancing and more drinking. And um, like I said, I was having a good time. And I was really excited because my best friend was coming in from the States and it was her first time and I was going to show her a great time. And on the Friday that she was coming in, my grandfather called and he said, I want the car back, and I said, but my friend is coming, and he said, yes, that's why I want the car back, (laughs) so I say, okay, but what I really mean is, okay, in a few days, and um, on that same afternoon, on my way to pick up my friend, I stopped by the gas station, and it's on a hill, and I'm waiting to exit, I'm behind a semi-truck, and instead of going forward, the semi-truck starts backing up, and it inches in and in and in, and by the time he stops, my hood is an accordion. And, and the bus and the truck driver gets out, and he looks at it and he's like, "Well, I have to be Mexico in five hours, so sorry." And I said, "No, no, 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 no." And um, I I drag him down to a body shop that I had seen down the street, and the guy at the body shop says, "Sure, seven thousand pesos." And 7,000 pesos at that time was a lot of money. If you consider, for example, that a teacher in a rural area was probably taking home about 4,000 pesos you know, a month. So anyway, stuff happens. I get the money from the driver. I leave my car at the shop. I put the money in my pocket, and I go pick up my friend. And when she gets in, I tell her, so we don't have a car. But hey, we've got cash. <laughs> 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 So later that same night, after we catch up and we eat and we drink, we go find one of these places. Well, it turns out my directions were totally wrong. And we take a cab out to the middle of nowhere. There are no street lights left. There's no paved streets left. And the cab stops and he says, okay, this is as far as I can go. And I tell him, okay, st- you know, wait for us. But the moment we get off, he speeds off. And I have no idea where we are right? So we make our way down the hill to this place, and we look at each other, and we say, okay, well, you know, we're just going to go in, use the phone, grab another cab, and go home. Well, the moment we walk through the doors, these two iron doors close behind me, and the bouncer puts a chain and a padlock. And I look, and I think, fire hazard. (laughs) (laughs) But really, fire hazard is the least of my problems. (laughs) And, um, We walk in, and we're in this concrete box with no windows, and that's the only door. And the ceilings are low, and the floor is dirt, and there's just like these sporadic naked light bulbs around. And I'm like, okay. And so my friend's a little nervous, you know, and I can see why. And and I look around, and sure enough, you know, um, the place is a place of prostitution. So there are all these women who are not there by choice. And there are all these men who are there for one thing. And I go up to the bartender and it's like, you know, hey, is there a phone? I need to get out. And he won't talk to me, he just won't talk to me. He's not telling me no, he's not telling me yes, he's just not saying anything. And so we go to the bathroom in the hopes of finding a window and there are no doors in the, on the bathroom, there's no running water and there is a window, but it's the size of my head and it has bars. So you know I'm out of luck. And so we go back into the main space you know, and we're looking around, and I'm trying to get at least the women to respond to me, and they're not responding to me. And it's getting hotter, and the stench is getting stronger, and the men are beginning to circle. And suddenly I hear, what are you doing here? And I look, and it's this guy. He's about my age, really good-looking, you know. But I tell myself, okay, no, you know, put that side apart, that thought aside. <laughs> <laughs> Focus. And... Um, <coughs> And he's like, what, are you, what is someone like you doing in a place like this? And I said, well, we're here by mistake, you know, and I'm just trying to get a cab and go home. And he says, well, you're not going to be able to go home that easily. And I said, well, what do you mean? And he says, well, do you know where you are? And I like, well, I can kind of see where I am. And he says, well, you know, um, the only way you're going to leave, really, is if you leave with a client. And I said, well, we're going to leave with you, and you're going to take us home. <laughs> and, um, and he says, no, I don't have that kind of cash. And it's like, well, what kind of cast are we talking about? And he says, I don't really know. And he said it was his first time. Sure. Anyway, so, um, <laughs> so he says, there's a man over there by the door. He's behind this corner table, and he's managing the whole thing. I said, okay. So he goes and he talks to the man. He comes back after a while, and he says, nope, you're not leaving that easily. I said, okay. And, you know, we wait, and we kind of stick around for a while, and it's, it's not getting any better. So I say, okay, stay here with my friend. And then I go up to this corner table and I tell this man, listen, we're here by error. And my father's waiting for me. So we're going to leave. And the man doesn't respond, he doesn't even bat an eye. So I'm like, okay. So I reach in my pocket, I feel the money. And my concern is that it may not be enough money to get one person out, let alone two people out. But I take the money, I put it on the table, I slide it over to him, and I tell him, this is all I have, and my father's waiting, so we're going to leave. And, you know, um, he pauses, he looks through the money, he looks at me, he looks at my friend, and he starts laughing. So to me, that's a yes. And so um, I turn around, I grab my friend, I grab my new friend, and I walk out you know, to the, to the door, and the bonds are standing there, and he's looking past us, and he gets some sort of signal, and he opens the door, and as I'm, I'm walking out, he says, he says to me, which means, not just lucky, but really lucky. And so, we leave, and I spend the next five days avoiding my grandfather, and trying to get money. And um, when the car is finally ready, I drive it straight to my grandfather, I give him the keys, I say, thank you, I apologize. And he's looking at the car and he says, it looks different. And I said, yeah, I had it washed. And he says, but it's shiny. And I said, yeah, I had it waxed. And he said, but only the hood is shiny. <laughs> and, I, and I said, I ran out of money. And um, and before he can say anything else, I walk off. And he never again mentions it, and nobody in my family mentions it, which is really, really impressive because my family is huge. So I'm thinking, I got away with this. I did it. I mean, the clear. Until 10 years later, when, I <laughs> when I'm back home and I'm getting ready to go out, and my mother says to me, if you're going to the city, don't be late because the buses are not running at night. And I said, not a problem, I'm gonna go borrow a car and then I'll be back later. And then before I can make it out the front door, I hear her say, well, whatever you do, don't wash it like you did your grandfather's. (laughs) Thank you.